And so, yeah, if you're ready to hear the word today, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Man, I'm ready too. God is good. So we just came back from Thailand. Where's the Thailand team at? Where are we at? Where are we at? Uh, woo. Susie Ree in the back as well. Uh, Susie Ree. And uh, I want to tell y'all about Thailand. Thailand is warm, y'all. I came back with a tan. Yo, y'all laughing like I didn't. I actually got a tan. Like, like even like one member of the team was like, you know what? You, you got darker. And that blessed me so much. I've been hearing people come to me like, you don't, you can't get tans, can you? I get, I get tans. The sun works on me just like everyone else. And so anyways, I don't know why I said that. But Thailand, the trip was amazing. I just want to say on behalf of the team, on behalf of team leader Lisa, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for fasting. Those of you who fasted, thank you for that. Thank you for praying for us. We saw amazing things in Thailand. God was so good. Uh, We ministered to over 600 people over a 10-day period of time. Um, A lot of them young people, a lot of them old people. It was just like... A smorgasbord, I guess, of, of different ages. We just ministered to everyone. We saw over 59 healings, which was really amazing. Let's give God a hand, a hand, hand clap. <laughs> applause. Round of applause. I was about to say a hand of applause, and I was like, that don't make much sense, you know. We saw 59 healings. Some of the more miraculous healings we saw. We saw our first night, a guy that, that could barely walk, came in with a walker, was sitting there. He had gotten hit. By he had gotten in a motorcycle accident, uh, was severely injured, um, and we walked in. Everyone saw him, it, and it was it was interesting. I've never seen a person that was injured or hurt, and like it was almost like a, my faith rose. Like I saw them, and I was like, "Yeah, God," you know, which is kind of weird. I know it's weird. Don't judge me, but every team member was kind of like that because we saw him, and we knew that God had brought him there to touch him. And so we saw him sitting there and we did a time ministering for healing. We saw people who could not bend their knees. They're just doing all of this right here and they're jumping around. And then um, Pastor Aaron and our sister Susie Park, they were praying for him. And they started praying for this guy. They were praying for his legs and for his hand as well because his hand was tightly closed. Um, Because of the injury, um, the whole side of his body was really paralyzed. So he couldn't really move. And his hand was clenched tightly. And they began praying for him and began praying for him. And then all of a sudden, his hand opened. And he was able to open up his hand. And feeling came into his hand. And then all of a sudden, strength began to come into his legs. And he stands up. And he's going like this now. And then we prayed for him again. And then we, I think we have this on video, right, Susie? We got this on video. We got him. He's, he's walking around. And we're just leading him as he's walking around. And then one moment, he just goes like this. And for someone who wasn't walking, you could see the reaction with his wife and the pastors there. They were just like, yeah, hallelujah, yeah. God is good, amen? amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for that. Another place that we ministered at, one really cool thing that we saw this time was we saw healing without the laying on of hands. Which is something really cool. Because usually when we go out and do missions trips... We, we may have a team come up and they share words of knowledge. They share prophetic words that God's given them. Um, and 
And then when the people stand up, we call them to the front and then the team prays for them. Or we have people around them lay hands and pray for them. And uh, one, one day, whenever we were doing Sunday swim, Pastor John Michael, he came up and he prayed for me. He laid his hand on my head, like my entire head. And he, he began to pray. And one thing he prayed for me was he was praying, God, I just pray that they would see healing without anyone touching the people. And so that happened, actually. One service, we were just praying, and, and the team didn't lay hands on anyone. The team just prayed, and all of a sudden, we were seeing people get healed left and right. God was touching them sovereignly. Just by the speaking of the word going out, people were being healed. And it was really cool. We saw, we saw um, one guy, he came up, and he shared his testimony. He walked up, and I didn't recognize it when I was standing beside him, but he, he gets up here, and he goes... I've been wanting to stand here at this pulpit for 30 years. He had been wanting to come up and he's like, but I wasn't able to. And God healed me. Amen. See, what it was, was we saw him earlier and this man had crutches. He, he, he needed crutches in order to walk. But God healed him. And then he walked up without assistance and then he walked off without assistance. God brought strength into his legs. Come on, somebody. Y'all looking at me like y'all, duh. (laughs) See, check it out. When you celebrate a healing that's happened in Thailand, what you're doing is it's prophetically declaring that God's going to do it here. When you're able to celebrate that God can cause someone to walk in Thailand, you're, you're mustering up and you're coming into agreement and you're getting the faith that you'll see it when we're in Itaewon. But if you treat it with contempt now, when you go out to Itaewon, you won't see it. You got to celebrate even the smallest of healings. Even a headache being removed is a miracle. And when we celebrate that, what is happening is that God is increasing our faith to believe it for each and every one of us, not just on a mission trip. Our prayer leaving Thailand was that we wouldn't just see it in Thailand. We'd see it in Itaewon. Amen. Sorry to go into rebuke mode all of a sudden. <laughs> one cool thing, one another cool testimony we saw, and this was really awesome, was this lady, she comes up and her fingers were clenched. And God, her fingers were clenched for a long time. And she had only came to the service because she had this one persistent friend. Like, you know, it was like that one Christian friend that would not give up on her. And for, and not just for like a month, like most of us, we're like, come to church. Like, no. Come to church. No. Okay. All right. I see how you're doing. I see how you are. Okay. This person was so persistent asking them to come to church for like years. And then they come to the revival service and God opens up this woman's hand. This finger that was clenched like and she was like, I don't know what's going on. You know, my hand is opening up. And then we found out later that this woman was a non-believer, and God touched her. And then the crate. Now it gets better. So this, this persistent friend, right? You know, you got that friend that was just nagging her all day. Just come to church, come to church, come to church. God heals her. The next morning she gets up. First thing she does is runs to that woman's house. A woman opens up, tell me about Jesus. And then she goes, she got saved that morning. We saw, we saw, um, yeah, I'm just really proud of the team members. I mean, 
Uh, Judy was our photographer. She's captured some amazing images. You're going to see those later. Our sister Joanne was doing VBS and she was just ministering to all the children. We saw so many children get saved. So many children. And Joanne played such a huge role in that. Um, our sister Arabelle. We called Arabelle. Arabelle. That's the, that's the country way to say it. Arabelle. Arabelle Samonte. She got her embarrassed in the back. We called her Dr. Samante. She was our team doctor, but she wasn't just healing with like Advil. She was walking around praying for people and seeing people get healed left and right. Like she got power in her hands. Like and it got to the it got to a point where we we knew already that someone got healed through her. Like every time we did our team debriefing, it was like anyone share any testimonies? Everybody. So I walked over to this Thai masseuse and we just started talking to her and her shoulder was hurting and we prayed and she was healed. <laughs> walked over, prayed for someone else. She got healed too. And we're like, what are you talking about? You know, I was like, I'm like praying for people. I'm like, heal them, heal them. You all right? Like, heal them. And Arabelle was just like, healing. And like, oh, I'm so much better. God used her so mightily. Our sister Susie Ree, she preached for the first time. She preached for the first time and she walked up to me and she was like, you know, Pastor Marcus, can you, can you give me some tips? You know, can you help me? Like, I know you preach, so can you give me some tips? Help me, uh, cause she was preaching on the story of Joseph, right? And she walks up to me and she, I saw her, she was pacing back and forth. Like, she's like going through this story, going through this story. And then she walks up to me and she asked me for help. She said, Pastor Marcus, can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? And I was like, nah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really help you. And then she's like, nah, come on. Like, help me with the story. And I said, like, nah. You got it all inside of you. And then she got up there and she did one of the most creative illustrations I've ever seen. We, we were passing out different multicolored towels for flood relief. Uh, some of the work we did was that we just brought relief and assistance to the people who had been damaged by the flooding in Thailand. And what was really cool was they were different colors. And so we were going to this school and Susie tied these different multicolored towels together. And then when she walked up, she, she wrapped them around herself and talked about how she loved clothes of many colors. And then she used that as an illustration to talk about the story of Joseph. And she spoke about how God, we are all God's favorite one. And then afterwards, after she spoke about that, she had each team member give a student a towel. And they wore it over themselves as a coat of many colors. And then we went and healed them. And it, her, her preaching that day set up, it was our last day of ministry. It set up the rest of the day for powerful encounters. She did an amazing job. Thanks, Sharon. And then our sister, Lisa, she's our missions director, but she was also our team leader. And, you know, she led with such boldness. She led with such clarity. You all know that Lisa's bold. But it was like, it was like amazing the way she, I mean, she was leading and it's one thing to lead, but she also had two pastors on her team, you know, that, that are, I guess, walking maybe higher rank or higher authority than her. But she led with such boldness, such clarity. It was, she wasn't phased by anything that she saw. And not, not only was she bold, but she just 
had such a heart to minister to the Thai people. And she really activated so many people in their gifting, so many people she propelled into new levels. And Lisa did an amazing job leading this team. So yeah, let's honor her. Let's give her a hand. Amen. Amen. I preached as well, as well as Pastor Aaron. And, and it was it was fun. It was powerful. <laughs> it was good. Let me say a word of prayer for us. And we're going to get into the word for today. Father, I thank you for the testimonies that you have given us. We thank you, Lord, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that the testimonies that you've given us for Thailand, we declare is a prophetic word. For Itaewon. Every healing, every salvation, every every work, God, that was of your hand, God, we declare, do it in Itaewon. We speak, God, may it be done in Itaewon. Father, I pray for the word today, God. I pray that it would go out with boldness, with clarity. I pray for open hearts in this place, God. I bind the works of the devil, Lord. I speak life and life abundant, God. And I pray for your anointing in this place, your Holy Spirit to move. And to break every yoke. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So I want to talk to you today about a revelation that I got when I was on the field in Thailand. You know, when you're out in a different country and your iPhone or your smartphone doesn't work. And, you know, all you've got is like the the rice fields and you're just sitting there with, you know, it's it's a great time for revelation. Because you don't have nothing else to look at. Just you and your Bible. And, and God really spoke to me a word really clearly on this trip. And he really taught me such a clear lesson on this trip. And it had to do with, with judgment. Now, I'm not talking about judgment like end times judgment, like, like heaven or hell judgment. I know as soon as I said judgment, I saw some eyes get big. I'm talking about judgment as in how we can judge things rightly. I'm talking about wisdom. I'm talking about proper judgment, sound judgment. You know, in Thailand, one thing about Thailand that was really peculiar is that it was the land of smiles. That's what Thailand is known for. And so everywhere you go, everywhere we would minister, everyone was always smiling. You know, like those like when I wasn't a Christian, I had this friend at my at my high school and she was a Christian and she was always smiling. Like every time I talked to her, I was like, hey, how's it going? She's like, hey, how's it going? Everything's great. How's it going? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you always so happy? And in Thailand, it was like that, kind of. Everyone we talked to, they were always smiling. It was like it was the best day of their life. And I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm not like going in there like all critical, like you're faking. But everyone, everywhere you went, in the churches, Even if you were preaching a message that was cutting to the heart, they'd be smiling. And so God was speaking to me in that time. We needed discernment. We needed to be able to discern, okay, this smile was Holy Spirit. And this smile was actually covering up deep hurts and pains. This smile is is of God. This is the joy of the Lord that is their strength. And this one... uh, This isn't really the Lord. This isn't really what's going on. This church seems really happy. But when I look at the when I look past the smiles, I see a religious spirit. This person's smiling and raising their hands, but actually they're in rebellion. 
And we had to learn how to move in discernment and move in wisdom. And it's really important for you and I to learn how to walk in sound judgment. It's important for you and I to learn how to walk and to judge things rightly. Many of us in the body of Christ, we don't think that we need to judge anything, right? We quote that scripture, judge not that she be judged. But that's actually out of context. Because if you don't judge anything, people who do not have any ability or they're not able to judge anything at all, that's not, that's not wisdom. That's not godly. That's ignorance. The Bible actually says that a person who cannot judge and heed instruction is stupid. The Bible actually says stupid, y'all. You got to read your Bible sometimes. Like, I felt so bad for using that word. And then I saw it was biblical. I mean, not calling. Okay, well, you know what I'm saying. Like, we need to learn how to walk in wisdom. Because if you don't judge anything at all, you're walking in ignorance. And many of us, we know that saying, right? Ignorance is bliss. But ignorance may be bliss, but it carries no blessing. It doesn't carry the blessing of God. It doesn't carry the wisdom of God. And so you have to learn how to walk in proper judgment, how to walk in wisdom. The Bible says that wisdom is more precious than silver and gold, that you should learn to store up wisdom. Solomon, God came before Solomon. and He, he gave Solomon a blank check. You know, if God came before me with a blank check, I'd probably be like, God. I'm speaking in my flesh right now. Uh, <laughs> God, give me that BMW for Mission Impossible 4. Like, God, you know, bless me, Lord, you know, financially. Because sometimes, God, you know, can you pay my bills, God? Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my automobiles? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, God. As a destiny's child. Like Solomon could have cried out for God to pay all his bills. You know, Solomon actually was given the biggest construction work in the history of mankind. He was told to build the house of God, to build the temple of God. He needed all the gold, all the silver. He needed so much wealth to do it. But Solomon asked for wisdom. You know, if you have wisdom, when Solomon asked for wisdom, he said, give me wisdom to govern the people. Give me wisdom to govern the things that you have entrusted me with, God. And God said, because you have asked for wisdom and not for wealth, I'll give you wealth. Because you've asked for wisdom and not influence, I'll give you influence. See, I talked about a couple weeks ago how we need to cry out for the increase. We need to learn how to cry out for an increase in wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom and it brought him before kings and queens. You know, if you have wisdom, God will entrust you with everything else because you've learned how to be faithful and wise with the small things that he's given you. And therefore, you'll be faithful with much. Right. We know that to be a Bible principle. And we God desires for each one of us. He wants to bless us. But before he blesses us, he wants to give us wisdom. Many of us, when we read our Bibles, we read our Bibles without wisdom. We read our Bibles looking for rules and regulations, right? The Ten Commandments. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do this. Do that. But the Bible is less about rules and regulations, and it's more about principles and precepts. It's more about principles that God wants to give you in order for you to live your life rightly. 
See, if you don't read your Bible looking to extract wisdom, if you don't look at the word of God looking to extract wisdom, you'll end up just reading it and throwing out some of it because it's not applicable and throwing out other parts because it's applicable. I remember in, in, at Torch, my, uh, my second year, I was in a, a class on the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, right? We all knew that, right? First five books. And so we had to read through over the course of the semester, the first five books of the Bible in our own time. But me and Pastor John, we, uh, we were kind of busy with other stuff. And so we didn't do that until the last day of the semester. And we realized, oh, we kind of procrastinated a bit. We need to read through the entire first five books of the Bible. And so we did it in one day. If you can imagine, we were just... And we were reading through and so much of the first five books of the Bible were rules and regulations. Do this. Don't do this. Do this. Don't do that. I remember we got to this one part in Deuteronomy 25. It's like the weirdest rule and regulation I've ever read in the Bible. It says that if two men are fighting, right, and the wife of that man jumps out and grabs one of the men that's fighting where the sun don't shine. The Bible says, and we were all adults here. The Bible says that you actually cut off her hand. And it says, you shall have no mercy. And we read that. We were like, what is God doing? This is so gangster. This is so weird. Like, why would you even put this in the Bible? Like, it happened probably like once. Or did it happen like multiple times? <laughs> like, didn't somebody learn the first time you ain't got to do that? And we see, we see the Bible as rules and regulations, and then a lot of times we discard most of it. But when you see it as principles and precepts, maybe that passage was saying, don't dishonor a man by attacking him at his weakest point. <laughs> That's wisdom, but it's also funny wisdom. <laughs> and we need to, so we have to learn how to judge all things in our lives rightly. We need to learn how to see things with wisdom. And I'm going to go over three areas in our lives where we need to grow in wisdom and grow in the areas where we judge. And the first area is learning to have right judgment in our relationship with God. You know, many of us, we we operate without sound judgment, even in our relationship with God. We either judge We either don't judge at all, like I talked about earlier, or we judge above and beyond what God has already spoken. Usually, most of us, we are the ones who decide what is right above and beyond what God has said. We decide for ourselves what is good, what is evil, and then we ask God to come into agreement with that. But anytime you do that, you fall into one of two places. You fall into either rebellion or you fall into religion. Um, Let me explain this a bit. In the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, right, we have Adam. And God entrusted Adam with a lot of wisdom, if you notice. He brought to Adam all the beasts of the field. He brought to him the fish of the sea. He brought to him the birds of the air. And he said, Adam, I want you to name them. And he entrusted Adam to begin to name those things. You are alligator. You are shark. You are, you know, bluebird. I don't know what he said. Blue Jay. It's not a bluebird. Is there a bluebird? Okay, whatever. You know, he named them. He named the bluebird and the blue jay. Good work, Adam. 
And then, and then what happens? He even named Eve, right? We know this. And God had entrusted him with wisdom. And he was operating in wisdom that was in agreement with God. But then the serpent comes along. And the serpent was more cunning than any of the other animals. We all know this story, right? And God had said to Adam and Eve, he said, you can eat of anything else, but do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the serpent comes to Eve and he says, Eve, did God really say? And then when he begins to deceive Eve, he begins to deceive Eve to do what? To make judgments for herself apart from God. And what happens in the Bible is it says that Eve looked at the tree and she saw that the fruit was good to eat, right? It was good for food. So she took the fruit and she ate it. And see, when Eve did that, what I propose to you that what Eve did was rebellion. Because anytime you call something good that God has said not good, that is rebellion. God says, do not look at a woman lustfully. Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has committed adultery against her in your heart. But you say, no, God, I, I, I need to, I need to. God, this actually isn't that bad, right? He says, if you hold hate in your heart, you have committed murder against them. But you, but instead we choose to hold bitterness and unforgiveness. You know what? I'll keep that person in that prison because it feels good for me. But anytime you call something good that God has said is not good, that's rebellion. Because you're operating on your own judgment. See, God had already said to Adam, you know what? He said to Adam, I've I've provided everything for you. I'm going to be the one that judges it for you. All you have to do is come into agreement with me. But the first thing Eve did was she rebelled against God's own judgment. Rebellion. The second thing that happened was religion. See, Adam, when Adam got the fruit, he's like, thank you. He ate it. And then his eyes were open and he realized he was what? Naked. Maybe naked wasn't the right word for all of us to say together. But Adam realized he was naked. I thought that as soon as I was like, I shouldn't have done that. (laughs) Adam realized that he was naked. And what did Adam do? He went and he grabbed fig leaves and he began to cover himself. And then God comes into the room. God comes into the building. He was always he's always there because he's everywhere. But God shows up and he's like, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? And then Adam, what does he do? He goes and he hides and he comes out and he says, Adam, why did you hide? And he said, I hid because I was naked and I was afraid. And God's answer to him was, who told you you were naked? Who gave you the ability to decide things for yourself? Who gave you the ability to discern that you were naked? It says earlier in the Bible that they were naked without shame. That they were naked and God had called it good. But the minute that he ate from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam became his own judge. And Adam said, oh, I'm naked. This must not be good. And because this isn't good, now I'm going to work to cover up my own nakedness. Many times God says, I'm going to prosper you, not harm you. Many times God says that I'm going to heal you. God says, I'm going to bless you. God says that surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. 
But many of us in the church, we have trouble understanding that because for so long we have said that that's not good. For you to say you're going to prosper me, God, that's not good. No, the only prosperity I get is a prosperity that I work for. Let me be a good Christian. Let me read my Bible. Let me pray. Let me do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll bless me. And you know what we call that? Religion. Or maybe you see God move powerfully and God heals someone. And God touches them in a miraculous way. But you're sitting there and you're saying, that's not God. That's not good. And something that God has called good, you're calling not good. And that's religion. Many times we say, no, I'm just trying to be cautious. You know, to Adam in that very moment, that was wisdom. When Adam realized he was naked and he realized that it would be wise for him, he thought it would be wise for him to cover himself. When he saw that God was coming, he thought, you know what? It would be wise for me to run and hide. But what was wise to him was actually religion to God. You hearing me today, church? See, many times what we call wisdom is actually just us being cautious and it's based out of fear. But wisdom that's out of fear and wisdom that's out of caution is not wisdom. It's fear-based religion. And it doesn't please God. The second way that we judge is we judge in our relationship with others. You know, many times, many times we... We're not willing to, the Bible says that we should submit to one another out of brotherly love. That we should learn how to love one another, right? Pastor Christian preached on the phileo love of God. Like, God likes you, I like you, right? But many times in our relationships with other people, the first thing that we use is judgment. The first thing that we use is judging them. Something that God has called good we're calling not good. You know, anytime you call something, when you're judging someone else, anytime you call something not good that God has called good in their life, you're pushing them to a religious spirit. You know, why is that person raising their hand? Why are they shouting? Why are they jumping around? Why is he doing the worm on the floor? You know what I'm saying? Hey, I've seen services where people just be getting down, just be all up on the floor. In the Holy Spirit. Why are they doing that? What is that? Hey, get up. Stop acting so foolish. That's not good. You should be orderly. You're pushing them to a religious spirit. You know, this is something I struggle with a lot. Because this was something on the trip. Our our sister Lisa, she had this thing called. um, So if you said anything offensive, you had to replace it with two encouragements. And I'm a little offensive. <laughs> so I was giving a lot of encouragements. Which was really good, right? I was good. But I remember a couple months ago. Um, and I remember it was in, in May, in November, not in May. Because that's not a couple months ago. I remember it was in November. And I remember there was two weeks in November. Where I felt like I was going through the worst weeks of my life. I was like, God, I'm I'm not saved anymore. God, there's nothing right with me. Everything's falling apart. You know, you ever get to that point? 
No? Oh, okay. I was like, somebody get on the boat with me. <laughs> and I was like, and what had happened was there was this one week where it was actually one day. And I may have talked about this another time before, but there was this one, there was this one day where I was, I think I got rebuked by three different people all in the same day. The first day I go to class and I, and a sister was fasting and I made a joke. It was inappropriate. I know it was wrong. I made a joke about her fasting and I was like, you know, he's like, you're, you're fasting, right? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, what kind of fast is that? And she was like, um, I think she said like, it was like a, uh, everything, a juice, rice, vegetables, and a chicken fast. Like I was like, oh, you're fasting everything. You're, you're like, you're fasting water, you know, like, and I made some joke about her fast. And, and she looked at me and I could see that look in the eye, you know, when you said something wrong and I knew it. So I just backed away slowly <laughs> and sat down in my seat and I acted like, you know, okay, we'll, we'll get past this. Nothing will happen. And then she messaged me and my screen pops up and she was like, you know, you should really watch your words because what you said to me really hurt me a lot. So I turned up like, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. She's like, it's fine. I know what it's fine means. <laughs> it's fine. It ain't fine. It's fine. She meant, she meant I hate your guts. In love. And, and, uh, and so I felt, I felt really bad. You know, because I was like, man, like, you know, this is a close friend of mine. I, I didn't mean to insult her in this way. And that's her intimacy with God. So how am I to, to put down her intimacy with God? I'm sorry, God. <laughs> and then I go to lunch that day and I'm sitting around with a bunch of guys. And we all just joke around. We're a bunch of, we're just acting like guys and whatever, just saying whatever. And then I made a joke. And I don't even remember what I said. But you know when you say something and everyone shuts up right then? <laughs> that happened to me like in mcdonald's that was like packed with people and like we were the only foreigners but everyone shut up it was like i said it and it was like shh, and crickets and like even like the, the korean koreans were like <laughs> <laughs> and all the guys just went <sighs> and i was like oh man <laughs> that i suck at life right now <laughs> oh man and then later that night, it ain't, it ain't over yet. You think it's over, but you ain't seen nothing yet. So, and then later that night, I'm talking to a friend and I forgot, I, I made an, I had still not learned my lesson. <laughs> so I made another offensive comment and this friend, they're, they're really bold. So she, they just turned to me and said, you know what? You're not a really nice person, are you? And I was like. sorry. <laughs> and then I went home that night and I cried. No, don't do the all. Don't do the all. No, no. I said, I just said, don't do the all. It's like a delayed reaction. All don't do the all. all, all. And then, and so I was struggling that whole, the whole rest of that week. And I was like, God, my speech, like I, I really got to watch what I say, man. I can't be so sarcastic. I can't be this way, man. I, 
How am I going to have fun with people? You know what? I shouldn't even speak at all. And then I remember I was talking to Pastor Daniels. And it's Pastor Daniels and Pastor Benjamin. They all came that next week. And I spent time with Pastor Daniels. And he was telling me, he was just, we were just talking about different things. And I asked him, I said, Pastor Daniels, you know, how do you deal with sin? A basic question. I thought he was going to say repent. He goes, you know what? I don't even think about sin. I said, you don't? What do you mean you don't? He's like, you know, I... I, it just doesn't really cross my mind. I'm just always so, so fixed on God. Wow, that is holy. <laughs> you know? And then I was like, and I don't know, somehow we, we got to a point where I started opening up about these struggles that I was having in regards to my speech. And these struggles that I was having in regards to the things that I say. And then I was like, you know what, Pastor Daniels, I've been struggling so much. I feel like everything I say is insulting and I hurt people with my speech. And I feel like I should just not say anything else at all because everyone's told me I'm not a nice person. Everyone said to me that what I'm the way I talk is really foolish. And he said, oh, that's what that is. Like he knew the whole time. It was like Star Wars or something. And he was like Yoda. He knew like he was just like he knew automatically. He said, oh, that's what that was. And what he said was, was that was so powerful was that the enemy was coming after my speech. And that the enemy was coming at me at my speech through other people. And what was happening was that other people were, you know, they weren't being vessels of the enemy by any, by any means. But what happens is sometimes, at least for me as a pastor, people judge the way that I speak because of my title. And so they say, Marcus, you can't joke a certain way. You can't act a certain way. Because if you act a certain way, a pastor's not supposed to be that way. But he was like, Marcus, God has made you that way. And in your heart, your heart is not to hurt anyone when you speak. Therefore, therefore, you don't need to let any of that touch you. That was someone calling not good what God had called good. And I was letting it touch me and letting it touch myself. See, many times when your speech goes out in a condemning way and you call something not good that God has called good, you're removing from that person the very thing that they are meant to deposit in your life. Why are you so joyful? Don't be so joyful. You're removing from them the very joy that they're supposed to give to you. And it also works the other way because some of us like to call things that are good things that the men and women of God in our lives have called not good. And when you do that, you're you're just going down a path to destruction. And the very wisdom that they have to deposit in your life to set you free, you're rejecting. And that leads me to the last thing. And this is why sonship is so important. We talk about sonship a lot at New Philly. And that is the judgment that we place upon ourselves. You know, for most of us, our harshest critic is not anyone else. It's us. Many times, we are the ones who judge ourselves more than anyone else. And Paul actually talks about this. This is actually in the Bible. Paul addresses this. And he says it in 1 Corinthians 4, 3 to 5. 
He says, I care very little if I'm judged by any human court or by any man. I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent because the Lord is the one who judges me. The man and woman of God that is placed over my life, they're the ones who judge me. You know, many times we go before God and we tell God all of our faults and we tell God all of our weaknesses and we tell God all everything that we do wrong and everything that we've made every place where we've made mistakes and how we're not faithful and how we're not righteous and how we're not holy and how our situation is like this and our situation is like that. But I tell you, every time God looks at you and he says, you don't have the authority to make that judgment call. He looks at you and he says, you're not the person who's supposed to make that judgment. What you're doing in that moment is you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're saying, God, here, let me take away your right to judge and let me put it upon myself. Oh, man, I'm I'm so poor at this. Oh, man, I'm so poor at this. I wish I was better at this. But God has not made you to be the judge of you. See, this, this totally transformed me because one day I was, it was during the same week that all this stuff was going on. And I went downstairs during the School of World Missions that we were having. I skipped a session. I, I confess, I, I skipped a session of the School of World Missions. And I went downstairs. And I went downstairs and, and then when I walked in, I saw Pastor Benjamin. And Pastor Benjamin was sitting there. And I want you to pay close attention because this is going to set you free. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him about my week. And he said, Marcus, you know what? I understand the same things. I was going through the same thing a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, really? You? Really? And he's like, yeah, I thought that everything I touched was failing. I thought that my life was in shambles. I I thought I got to a point where I didn't even believe that. I was like, God, I feel like I'm at step one. I feel like I'm at the first level all over again. And then he went to Pastor Daniels and he was like, Pastor Daniels, this is how I feel. And this is where I'm at. And this is what I'm struggling with. And Pastor Daniels said, you don't have the authority to call yourself unfaithful. You don't have the authority to call yourself unrighteous. You don't have the authority to say where you need to improve. He said, I do. See, The point of spiritual mothers and fathers in our lives are that they are the ones whom God has set over you. It could be your small group leader. It could be one of the pastors here in the house. Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron. The, The reason why God has them in your life is to speak into your life into areas that you don't see. And Pastor Benjamin is talking to me and then he's like, you know. And it was crazy because I could see fresh revelation was stirring as we were both talking. And then he goes, you know, when he said the son cannot circumcise himself. He said that Isaac had to be brought to Abraham to be circumcised in the Bible. Isaac did not 
tried to circumcise himself. Isaac was not trying to find all his weak points and trying to discern where he needed to improve. He just came before his father and let his father do that work. And whatever the father spoke over him, he had to shift his heart around to believe. You know, many times a word will come from this pulpit that says that God wants to prosper you. Many times a word will come from this pulpit that says that God is strengthening you, that God is encouraging you, that God is building you up. And many of us, because we're continually eating from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're making the judgment call for ourselves and we reject the actual words of life that could set us free. You know, when when someone comes to you and says you're faithful. When 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 someone comes to you and says you're holy, when the word of God says that you're a holy priesthood, when you're a chosen people. That you're a holy nation. What wisdom is not allowing yourself to be shifted from that place. Wisdom is not allowing yourself to be shifted ever from those words that go out. You know, many times, Pastor Christian, it's so funny, as he's discipled me over the past five years, every time I come before him, I'm expecting for him to tell me something negative. I'm expecting for him to rip me to shreds. I'm expecting for him to tell me how awful I am. And every time I sit before him, that period of time where he corrects me is about this big. And the rest of the time where he affirms me is like this long. But most of the time, my eyes are on that correction. But I don't have the authority. I don't have the authority to take that and make that my judgment. What God has called me to do is to shift and come into agreement with what the man of God has said. To shift and come into agreement with what the word of God says. To shift and come into agreement with what is being said about me. I tell you today that you are holy. I tell you today that you are chosen. I tell you today that you are faithful. I tell you today that you are set apart. I tell you today that God has put in you treasures. Treasures that will not just bless Itaewon, but will bless the entire nation. And you cannot, you don't have the authority to think anything different. And anytime you think anything different, it's a lie. Anytime you think anything different than I'm holy, I'm chosen, I'm set apart, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I am excellent. I'm anointed and sealed by his Holy Spirit. Anytime you think anything differently and you're judging yourself, it's a lie of the devil. And he's trying to deceive you to eat that fruit again. See, when we judge above and beyond what God has said, that's religion or rebellion. When we don't judge at all, that's ignorance. But when we come into agreement with the judgments that God has said, that's wisdom, that's knowledge, that's understanding. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray right now.
You know, many times the thing that that keeps us from experiencing everything that God has for us, the blessing, the wisdom, the insight, the favor, what keeps us from it is that we are too busy judging ourselves. We're too busy judging ourselves. We're too busy judging other people. And we're too busy coming against the judge, what God is saying. I feel like there's many of you in this house who have been bombarded day after day, night after night. With all kinds of lies that go against what God has said. You've been believing, you know what? I'm nothing. I'm worthless. Everything that I do fails. Or you've been believing lies about God's prosperity in your life. You've been too busy judging yourself. I'm not faithful. I need to get better at this. I need to do better at that. And it's all been coming from the enemy and you coming into agreement with what he's saying. And we call that deception. And the truth is actually the opposite. What God is saying is actually the opposite. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to begin to pray. Actually, I want everyone to stand to your feet. I want you to close your eyes, but I want everyone to stand to your feet. And we're all going to shift in this place. Whatever area that you've been judging or whatever area that you've been uh, walking in where it's, it's been religion or it's been rebellion or it's been deception. You're going to shift right now. And you're going to you're going to you're going to speak out. You're going to discern the lies that you've been believing. And then you're going to declare the opposite. And you're going to declare the truth and you're going to declare the word of God. And you're going to begin to declare. The words of God over your life. So right now, I want us all to begin to pray. I want us to invite the Holy Spirit in this place right now. I feel like God's going to do something really powerful in this place. Let's begin to pray. Let's begin to invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come into this place right now.